Welcome to Momentum, encouraging women who follow Jesus because your leadership and influence matters. This is Denise Harlow, and today I am talking with a wonderful, wonderful Christian woman and friend named Roseanne Frazee, and the name may sound a little familiar to you because her husband, Randy Frazee, um, has written several books, but he has written the book, The Bible version, the story. Many, many churches across the country, other countries too, I'm assuming, um, went through the story and um, did the Bible in their services. I know we did, and people loved it. It impacted their understanding of the Bible and growth. So thank you both for doing that, because I know you had input in that. I mean, (laughs) his name's on it, but Roseanne... Yeah, we know how that works. But Roseanne and Randy have been in ministry for over 31 years. Um, They have four grown children. Two of them are married, and they have two beautiful grandchildren. A boy and a girl. A boy and a girl. And it's really cool. We've gotten to know one of their children, um, David, and he is an awesome guy, a lawyer, and it's neat because um, each of these kids live their faith. They've each had their own journey, but they yeah. um, they live their faith now. And that's, I know, a relief to parents everywhere when Such they're... Such a blessing. Yeah, when kids do that. So we're. I'm so excited that she's here to share with you because this is a super cool topic that every single one of you need to hear this. It is so good. Um, Roseanne has written a book that Randy put some input in and co-wrote. And what is the name of that book? That book is called Real Simplicity. And actually, he wrote the book first under the title Making Room for Life. And then the publisher called and asked me if I would add my voice to it because there were so many questions on how do you implement these things into your life and family. So they asked me to update the book with new research and then also um, add my voice on how we pull this off and what it meant to me as from the woman's perspective. So they changed the title to Real Simplicity, Making Room for Life. So mm-hmm. you can find it at um, any Amazon or wherever you go to look for books. That's cool. So what impressed me so much, I mean, so many things about Randy and Roseanne. Oh, I just Denise, love you guys. Oh, they're just so inspirational. But we've gotten to spend uh, three or four days with them and just relaxing and resting. But what has been so special about it is the evening dinner. And they do some things with their family and some practices that really help everyone around the table feel just so warm, so important, so um, included and known. And they they did it with us, and I just they did it with their kids since the oldest one was eleven. And Roseanne's gonna share a little bit more about all of this story. But um, so tell us a little bit about the background first of all. Well, um, we had uh, four kids. My first was a daughter. And uh, the next were three boys. And when my first son got to be six, I called a friend one day and I said, Jane, I think um, that it might be time for me to um, sign my son up for soccer. Because sure. um, 
she said, yeah. She said, how old is he? And I said, six. And she said, oh, Roseanne, you're way behind the curve. You should have started him when he was four. And I, I couldn't get off the phone fast enough to hang up and go put all my kids in the car and take him to um, the place where we signed him up for soccer. Yeah, because you thought that's what I was supposed to do. That's what I was supposed to do. I failed as a mom. I, mm-hmm. You know, I'm learning from this woman who was about 10 years my senior ahead mm-hmm. of free and child rearing, and I looked up to her, and she was a mentor. And during the 80s, that was the mentality was if you wanted to keep your kids on the right path and keep them out of trouble – you would um, keep them busy and off the streets. Mm-hmm. So Randy and I drank the Kool-Aid. We signed them up for soccer, and we proceeded to do that with all of our kids, getting them into sports. And one season they were in two sports each, the boys were. We were literally driving to the baseball field in the morning, playing two or three softball game, baseball games with the boys and literally splitting up going in two different directions for soccer games in the afternoon and they were changing in the car and I woke up one morning and sat on the edge of the bed and tears were just streaming down my face and my husband said what is wrong because it wasn't just the games it was the practices yes. so inadvertently what we had done was we were grabbing fast food on the way to practices during the week we had traded our dinner times for sports activities. Right. And it took a toll on our family. Yeah. We were so busy. My husband was busy at the office. I was trying to coordinate all these things. Mm-hmm. And if I ever had a time of depression during my life, it was then. I just couldn't wake up one more day thinking about how I was getting everyone to everything because he was very little help at that time. Yeah. So the church was growing and he was trying to manage all of that. And right. I was trying to make dinner, do homework with the kids. It was just a crazy, crazy time. Okay. So was this then at this point you had this realization. Now, was this the time you decided to implement this dinner thing or did, was Actually, there another, there was another incident event. at that okay. point we decided the sports was too much. So we decided that we were going to cut back on the sports and each child could only have one sport per season. Okay. And so Good. we told the kids we were going to do this, and we expected them to be just upset. And then we went to the coaches, and we said we're going to not do we're not going to do the fall ball with mm-hmm. so, uh, baseball because we wanted them they wanted to do soccer. And the coaches said, "Well, we're not saving your son's third you know first base spot because you know he may not get it back in the in the spring when he comes back and we said, yeah and so you felt like well uh, we're being punished yeah so you're yeah. Like, we're like okay so we went home and we told our kids and explained it all to them and come to find out they didn't care uh-huh. it was it was us we were putting that pressure on ourselves wow. our kids were great to have more time to just kind of hang in the neighborhood and play and, and play. use an imagination yeah exactly mm-hmm. exactly but when we really got serious was when my husband hit a wall he okay. was working around the clock. He would come home, grab a quick dinner, and, or doing fast food, delivering one of the kids. Mm-hmm. And then when we started to go to bed, he went back to work. And so he did that mm-hmm. probably for about 10 years. Wow. And then he ran into a bout of um, insomnia. And for 45 days, he did not sleep oh. at all. He said he wandered around the house looking at all of us sleeping, wondering how he forgot how to sleep. Because it's Whoa. such a natural thing. Yeah. So finally, after 45 days, he went to the doctor. And he went to this doctor who didn't know him. Mm-hmm. He thought. 
Uh-huh. And um, the doctor went, he explained his trouble, and the doctor said, well, Randy, with your job and four kids, I don't know how you will ever do this. We'll probably have to medicate you for the rest of your life. And oh. Randy said, how do you know me? He said, Randy, you're the pastor of one of the largest churches in the city. Yeah. <laughs> you're well known. Yeah. And so um, he proceeded to tell him that he had uh he was going to have to take medication at least for a little while, but probably would be on it for the rest of his life. And that just made him very distraught. He didn't yeah. want to do that. Yeah. And so he said, what are my other choices? He said, well, first of all, you could move to Borneo. Everybody sleeps in Borneo. <laughs> <laughs> it's a laid back, no stress environment, apparently. Nice, so he said, I made a mental note to check into one-way tickets to Borneo. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, well, what's my other option? He said, I just don't see how you're going to pull it off, but perhaps you can. He said, um, you can learn to live with the internal body clocks that God has created you with. And he said, tell me more about that. And he said, our bodies were made to work from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., from dawn until dusk, basically. It doesn't have to be 6 to 6, Mm -hmm. but from dawn until dusk. And from dusk until about 10 o'clock at night when it's dark, um, that is your relational time. And from 10 o'clock until 6 is when you should be sleeping and resting. And your body actually secretes, you have a little gland in your brain called the pineal gland that secretes hormones, that uh, secretes melatonin in the evening from 6 to 10, which gives you that relaxed feeling. And in the morning when you wake up, the light stimulates it, and um, it begins to secrete serotonin which gives you that peaceful, calm feeling during the day and Uh gives you energy to work and do your, be pro, be productive. So it's amazing. amazing. So Randy came home and he started right on the first pages of Genesis with the creation story. And sure enough in creation, it says, and God created the heavens or Oh, help me with the verses. <laughs> light, uh, created light and darkness, and then he saw it was good that uh-huh. he created the the evening and the morning the first oh, yeah. day, and he yeah. saw that it was good. That's where I was going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I haven't read that one in a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, and every day it was the evening and the morning, the second day, evening and the morning, and he said the evening is first, and he realized that everything first, yeah. in the Hebrew calendar from was the evening was the most important time of the day. So when you're watching the um, the show Fiddler on the Roof, the dad uh-huh. is scurrying home to get to the dinner table because Sabbath is about to start at 6 p.m. in that evening. So the evening was very, very important. And so he decided that while he had to take this medication for a while, that he was going to try this also and get his body clock back in line. We violate the pineal gland, because we have artificial lights. Okay. You can yes. go to a stadium at night to a baseball game, and the lights are so bright that you don't even remember that it's night out. And your pineal gland is affected by that. Wow. so That's interesting. Very interesting. It was a learning curve for us. 
So he began to, um, it was very hard in ministry. I'll talk to the pastor's wives for him to change all of his meetings, but his elder meetings were going till the wee hours of the morning. So he talked them into changing it from, they would meet at 6 a.m. in the morning. And because most of the guys had to get to work, it ended at a certain time. Mm. So it was a little tricky. And it took us about two years of Randy reworking his schedule. And he would be home every night by six o'clock at time we'd have dinner. Mm-hmm. And he knew that he could not go back to work after dinner. Yes. So we began lingering around the table. And what happened was we started sharing our days. And so we started to the left of my husband at the dinner table. And our youngest son always sat there. And so he started sharing his day. And he always started with, well, I got up. Mm-hmm. And he would unpack his day from the first period at school to And he was probably five or six when Mm -hmm. we started this. And um, he'd go through his entire day. And he always started with, I woke up and I pet the dog. Uh So that was his day Mm -hmm. to start. And um, by the end of the day, then he would ask the next person, how was your day? And it's more than just saying, um, how was your day? It's tell me about your day. Yes, because Randy had mentioned, you're not rating the day at that moment. No. Um, It's... And you're not saying you're high and low, which is can be a good thing, too. But you're trying to rate things and pick them mm-hmm. out. And I bet you learned a lot. We did. About each other. We did. We did. And occasionally the kids would have an awkward moment, I'll call it, at school. Yeah. And they would share it. And um, where they got in trouble and the teacher called them out. And we would just kind of bite our tongue because at that moment we realized it was not the time to discipline or correct because if you do that at the table they will clam up they won't share everything and good, so good that advice. was a hard learning curve but as a parent yeah yes. I'm sure that was hard and then mm-hmm. we could pull them aside later and it gave us time to think about it too not being able to react in the moment because sometimes I react wrong when no, I do at first sure I would yeah. not thinking both sides yeah so we would pull them aside later and say how did that make you feel and what do you think maybe you could have done to you know avoid that situation yeah but you did it later exactly okay. exactly okay. And we had we began to see moments where my daughter ended up going to college, and she came home frequently, and frequently she would bring her friends, and then she would we'd sit at the dinner table and we could see her look when we started to share our days. She'd look at her friend and go, "This is what I told you about. This oh, is what sweet. we do." That's so we special. realized it was important to her. Yeah. And one time and she, she had it. brought this girlfriend home. She was sitting at our table, and we got to her. Make me cry. We got to her, and she said, I got up, and she started sharing her day, and she broke down in tears. And she regained her composure, and we said, why the tears? And she said, no one's ever cared enough to ask me about my day. And I realized how important this made her feel. Yes. And so that was very precious to us. And so we still do it. And we do it with friends. We do it with our neighbors. If we have neighbors over for dinner or friends. You did it with us. We did it with you guys. And um, you're just, and even if you're together the same day, everybody has a different perspective and nuance. Yeah. And so we began to trade our life of craziness 
for dinners around the table. So that's why I call it our journey back to the table. The table has become the centerpiece of our family. And uh, we just love lingering around the table. And then my husband did not go back to work uh-huh. after dinner. So we had to learn how to chill. And he took up banjo playing. And I took uh-huh. up reading. And we went and sat in the front yard of our house. Nice. And we would see neighbors walking by. And before we knew it, they were up on our lawn um, visiting with us. And we'd get more chairs out. And there were several nights we had about 15 chairs full of neighbors just, just visiting, sitting and visiting. Um, it was kind of a um, micro park, if you will. Uh-huh. I think as someone has dubbed I can't remember who wrote that. I read that somewhere. It's a little micro park. They're very popular in Chicago, actually. Oh, yeah. Heard, yeah, yeah. Heard, that was where I heard about them first. So... Anyway, it, it's just been an, an incredible journey. Randy sleeps like a baby now, doesn't need Yay. any medication. Praise, Praise God. God. Praise mm-hmm. God. So, Excuse back me. to that Columbia University. Yes. People were encouraged to keep their kids busy. But what else did it show? There was something else. Columbia study uh, several years ago did a sec. It's a secular study. It's uh-huh. not a Christian study. And they were studying what kept kids out of trouble. And um, they, they, the study showed that having dinner around your table five nights a week or more is the best deterrent to keeping your kids out of premarital sex, drugs, alcohol, and gangs. Mm. And the major reason... Did you hear that, girls? <laughs> it's so important. The dinner table is important. And here's why. When they have a seat at your table, they feel belong. They have a, a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. Kids in that are seeking out gangs and drugs and alcohol want to be accepted. Yes. And so it's not probably foolproof, but if you want to do the one thing to keep your kids away from those things, it's have dinner at least five nights a week. And you know what's amazing? This was a secular <laughs> study. Yes. But the Bible actually... That's what God had the Hebrew people do. Yes, he did. He did. So the most important thing he asks us to do to remember him while he's gone is centered on the table. And that's the communion table. Yes. And then what do we do when we're first there? It's the marriage supper of the lamb. How beautiful is that? I love that. And we won't have to do the communion table anymore because we'll just look up and Jesus will be at the head of the table. Oh, it's so cool. Isn't that precious? It is so cool. Isn't that precious? I Love it. I have goosebumps. And I, I I am so happy I get to experience this firsthand. And I don't have children at home anymore. But when they come home, I already told I already told them I'm stealing this. We're gonna do this with my family and have my grandchildren experience this. And anybody out there start implementing it. They oh. And one more thing, not to interrupt you, I'm so sorry, but one more thing. Um, When your kids are little, it can be a little challenging to keep them at the table um, when everybody's sharing their day, because we can have an hour and a half dinner, as you said, (laughs) hour and a half or two hours, uh, depending on how many people are at your table. Uh So I did a little creative things. I got these placemats with dry erase uh, markers, so the little ones, they can color and draw while we're sharing our days. And probably about three or four, you can kind of help them share their day 
Okay. And they get into it. And then our youngest grandson, he is four now, and he's been doing this since he was probably two and could sit at the table with us. Um, so he would color or do whatever, just things to keep him occupied. Uh-huh. And um, he starts sharing his day, and we just ask him questions about his oh, day. Sweet. And did you do this? And where did you go? Where do we go? You know, and he is into it. And he's the one who asks everybody. Oh. And your, How was your day, is what he says. And your granddaughter has grown up with this, so she already, <laughs> yes. you know, she knows that she's she ten. knows how to do it. She's 10. And my daughter, even when they're not at our table, they share their days. And if they don't, the, the, their kids are asking, my grandchildren are asking, are sweet. we going to share our days? Oh, so it's, that's so sweet. The proof is in the pudding. My, my daughter, if she was here, would share her, her experience, but she loves the fact yeah. that we've done that. The table's very important to her. It is. And David, uh, he, we asked, you know, what's, what's something that oh. your family is known for? And David, this lawyer man said, the dinner table. It's very important, and I love that. That's so cool. Well, thanks to me. Oh, thank precious, you for sharing friend. with us. I just love this. I always wanted to learn, learn, learn when I was raising my kids, and these gals do too. So I just thanks for sharing your experience. Thanks for letting me come share. It's been such a great time with you, always with you and Tim. Oh, and we just love you guys so much. They are the real deal, folks. Go check out Randy. Frazy's books and Roseanne and ah, uh, they're the real deal. So we're so glad that we uh, we feel privileged to know them because they're just so special, so so special. So, are you guys? so, uh, so thank you for tuning in to Momentum. For more information and encouragement, check out momentum.net or deniseharlow.com. Or you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook. I'm just a grandma and a woman who loves Jesus, but I love young women and encouraging them. And I know Reverend does too. So thanks for listening.